Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. SecondCityHockey.com Jonathan Taves. Commit to us. Commit to the jersey. Commit to our people here. Welcome into another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, the site manager here at Second City Hockey, and we've got a full room tonight. We've got three line mates with me this evening, and as I told them earlier, hopefully they're feeling like they can be the Canaan to bring it to my David Camp because I'm going to need some people to carry me this evening because it's it's been a week, folks. So first off, it is the analytic styling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Oh, I was told I was supposed to be Michael Hanzus, so that's what I'm I'm bringing. Um, like 2013 Michael Hanzus or 2015 Michael? Or eh. they're kind of the same player, right? They're just, he's just slow. Yeah, I sh- it should be 2013 Hanzus or like 2002 Hanzus because he played forever. Yeah. Um. So well, all right. Well, maybe maybe these uh, the two others that we're going to bring in can help out with this cause. Uh, he is to Second City Hockey what Aaron Gillespie is to Under Oath. It is Mil Savage. I want to be Brad Richards. I mean, we're playing that game. That's not bad. I mean, he showed Con up. Smythe, he played one baby. season. He got a ring. That's that's efficiency. He got two rings and a Con Smythe. Well, not here, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was he was with Tampa back in like oh three? Was it? Oh four. Yeah. Six. Yeah. Oh four. Four. With with Tampa earlier. Okay. So, yeah. and uh, with us also this evening, she's responsible for about. 75% of the comments and at least 80% of the gifts you see in the second city hockey comment section. It is Betsy, AKA LBR. If I get to pick to be anybody, then I'm being Dave Bullen. Cause I like, oh. to be hey. well, I, I, that is my, I wear number 36 in all hockey situations and my name is Dave. So I'm going to have to stake my claim on the Dave Bolin role. I don't. <laughs> hey, I, I, that's my favorite Hawk of all time. Yeah. All three, all three of you are now what they've all, they've fallen people then. That's fine. We could be that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. You say that like it's a bad thing. The Dave Bolin fan club. I, you know, I, I've seen Dave Bolin make rounds on just some random podcasts. I feel like if we reached out, 
We could we could have him come hang out with us one evening. We would just talk shit about the Leafs for an hour. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. I, I'm I'm absolutely here for that. I think that would be. I would I would love to get a player like uh, just an ex player just to talk shit about other teams in the league. Because I like I feel like they're always too respectful and they're too buttoned up whenever they're in front of the media. I want to know what they really think about all these other teams in the league. Oh, trust me, when you get them to answer, it's really really funny. <laughs> Like, do you have a story to share, Mill? Like, it sounds like you. Oh have... yeah, I I talked to Andrew Ladd about that. Okay. When oh I yeah, your him. best and friend Andrew Ladd. That's... Yeah. So I won this weird contest somehow where I got to sit in a room with an for an hour with Andrew Ladd, and it was like ten people won it, and the other nine people just wanted an autograph and they like left. <laughs> so my, my brother and I like they let you bring your family. Like we hung out, and he was just like, "Oh, I hate." Like, not to put words in his mouth, these are not direct quotes, but he was like, I hate playing St. Louis and Minnesota specifically because, like, he was just talking shit about how they're so shitty. Like, just generally, like, how they take shots at you and stuff. Because that's when neither team was any good, and they would just try and start shit with people. Well, this is, like, 2015, 16, when he came for that playoff. So, like, St. Louis was good, and they played him in the playoffs that year. Um but he just, like, the way he talked about it was so open. And he wasn't, like, talking shit about guys. But he was just, like, straight up, like, yeah, like, they, you know, the the whole team, like, they just, that's their mentality because the Hawks are fast and, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it was interesting because you would never hear them really say anything on TV. Like, and that's to a detriment to the sport because, like, isn't that so much more interesting than the, like, canned responses that they give? Normally, oh, yeah. well, so. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not just the NHL where the you know they give canned responses though. No, most, most sports do. Yeah, but is it? Then that's what we want for all sports. I don't really watch yeah. any sports, so I only get my other sports knowledge from like Twitter, and it's mostly basketball related. I feel like it should be more public knowledge when players don't like other players on other teams. I, I and I, I don't think uh, we let athletes do that enough. Tell me if you hate somebody. I'm, it's fine. It's inter, it, this is supposed to be entertainment, and it's entertainment when we know these people really don't like each other. They got to cut wrestling promos on each other. All right, that might be a step too far. Um, but the league I, needs money, Dave. I don't know. Everybody seems pretty good at lining up to shit on Tim Peel now that he doesn't have a job anymore. So, yeah. So Dude. we. I'm sure that like if everybody has this much disdain for an official, I'm sure there's plenty of I'm sure if, like for the Blackhawks example, like Patrick Kane, the shit talking to Pat Maroon from playoff games past. Like I, I imagine he's still in the bag of his mind, probably has a relatively low opinion of Pat Maroon. That's well, not yeah. that's not something you say to another athlete that you respect. You guys remember when Jonathan Taves fought Joe Thornton? <laughs> yes. Like that had to be some serious beef because like Jonathan Taves doesn't fight ever. Exactly. <laughs> Thornton another, doesn't really either. Another perfect example. It was so like, oh my God, they really must have gotten into it. Also, you guys remember Jonathan Taves? That was fun. I was gonna say the last time we saw him, he was like the goon captain. So this whole like he doesn't fight thing, like that was not a thing he was doing towards the end. He was like, Let me just punch everybody. And I was like, What are you doing? <laughs> well, I was yeah, gonna say Go ahead, sorry. When when you brought up 2015-16 Blackhawks, I was going to say, remember when the Blackhawks were fast? Yeah. 
Oh yeah. Corey Crawford, uh who did he who did he fight on St. Louis? It was uh Robbie Fabry. Fabry, Fabry, yeah, he's on Detroit now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fucking badass. And 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 Crawford went after Fabry and uh St. Louis ended up shorthanded. And I don't advocate putting yourself in a fight in a situation where it's gonna hurt your team, but like I just can't stand St. Louis. So that and I love Corey Crawford, so yeah, there you again, go. Again, it's this is all about entertainment. So just you know, without you know affecting people's ability to play, just give us some more entertainment, just a little bit more. We can't complain. Um, so the reason we've all gathered here on this, what is it, Wednesday night now? Yeah, it's a Wednesday night. That's right. Um, the Blackhawks last night beat the Florida Panthers three to two. Um, and and what was one of the more complete games they've had, at least for the first two periods, for sure. Third period got a little hairy, but hey, they got a multi-goal lead and they kept it. So with that win, it kind of helped write the tailspin that the Blackhawks have been on lately after that dreadful trip across the southern portions of the United States where they won one in six games. But as we're talking tonight, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, the Chicago Blackhawks would be the four seed in the Central Division. Now, the reward for that is getting a series against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which probably won't be much fun if it comes to fruition. But um, the main thing I wanted to dive into this evening with the assembled cast that we have is if the Blackhawks don't make the playoffs this season, and let's throw out any sort of massive injuries or any weird things that cause that to happen, say that because of their on-ice performance, the Blackhawks do not make the playoffs. Shepard Price, I'll go to you first. What would your reaction be if that happened? I uh, hope that the lottery odds are in our favor. Uh, probably number one. There's there are there's a deep draft. There's no clear number no consensus number one, but a, a top ten pick is a nice thing to have. Well, let me let me this here. Well, we're yeah. I, well, draft talk. We can I'm sure we'll have plenty of time in the offseason to do that because even if the Hawks make the playoffs, it doesn't feel like they're due for a big run. But what no. would you would you be? I guess the question is, would you be disappointed if the Hawks don't make the playoffs? No, the expectations, the Blackhawks cleared the bar in terms of expectations going into the season. They were supposed to be down there with Detroit and probably Buffalo and Ottawa, and they're not. Um, I mean, in terms of possession metrics, they are. They're one of the worst teams in the league possession metric-wise, which is probably what's going to contribute to that decline if that decline does happen. Um. But like with the expectations going into the season being what they were, that like they were not going to have a good season at all, and there was going to be a learning opportunity for players. I think we've seen some uh, some learning opportunities for players, and I think the Blackhawks have been better for it. Adam Boquist, especially this season, has been mm-hmm. has been a lot better than he was last season. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to pause on my response, and we're going to go to Mill next and get Mill's thoughts on same question of whether or not you'd be disappointed if the Blackhawks don't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, I should be every year because I'm a, obviously that's the team I support. But just putting things into perspective, I don't think I'd be disappointed because if they do make the playoffs, it's kind of like acing a test that you guessed on all the questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they great analogy. I, there's a lot of talent that the Hawks have. And I think we're all pretty surprised, even with the rebound control issues. I think we're pretty surprised with the goaltending. We didn't know what to expect exactly. But it's like, you know, Shepard brought it up. The the possession's bad, and every game it's like they start out with really good possession, and it gets worse by the period. Like it's almost like you could set your watch to it. I don't necessarily know if 
because of the way this organization thinks, it's going to be like, oh, see, like we did better than expectations and they're going to reward everybody instead of trying to fix things. And I, I don't know that I, I'm comfortable with that. So that's kind of my two cents. Patsy, what are your thoughts on that same question? Well, it's going to depend on how they end the season. If they make the playoffs and they've started to course correct in things like possession or expected goals and they're, we know that we have, there's lots of talent, but we want them to be playing in a consistently good and sustainable way. If they have more games like what they did against Florida, which again, wasn't perfect, but was much better then yeah, I'm not going to be disappointed even if they don't make it at the end. I will be a little disappointed if they do really well like if they like, like crap the bed <laughs> as it were, um, I want them to finish strong and however they finish in the standings is icing if they make it, but I want them to finish strong. So right now, even though yes, they've raised the bar because the expectation was they're not going to like be near the bottom. The expectation has been raised. We know there's talent now do something with it. That's not just winning with a like the mirage of goaltending and the power play and Patrick Kane and Debrinkit and Kubalik being like, we'll put this on our back and go. See, and the, the thing you said at the end there is where I is why I, I would disagree with Millen Shepard. I think if the Hawks don't make the playoffs this season, I think it's gonna be very disappointing because a lot of the question marks that you had about this team at the start of the season. Um, the goaltending, it's, it hasn't been answered long-term, but in the short term, Kevin Lankinen and Malcolm Subban at points have been good enough. Um, and, and Lankinen can certainly be the, could be the long-term answer, but we won't know that until time gets here. But then a lot of the young guys have stepped forward. Uh, Kirsch has been pretty good. Boquist that Shepard mentioned, Boquist has taken massive leaps forward. Uh, Debrinkit's rebounded from that dreadful season. Kubelik's proved he wasn't just a, a one-season uh, flash in the pan. Uh, Suter's been pretty good as a addition to the team. So with all of these things that were answered in the positive, I feel like you can't, it's, it's hard for me to have the same expectations now that I did before the season started, because now we have answers to some of the questions we had. And a lot of the answers were, uh, we got good answers. So now I don't feel like you can, I don't have the same expectations for them now that I did for them in January. And now I feel like, especially considering like at the start of March, as I'm looking at this, the standings on March 1st, the Hawks had 28 points and Columbus was probably their nearest competitor with 21. So they had a seven point lead on Columbus about three weeks ago. Dallas is kind of weird because of the games in hand situation. Same with Nashville. So it just, it feels like you had, a, you had a pretty sizable lead at one point. And even if you had to play all these bad teams, if you look at their April schedule, they've got a lot of marshmallows on that, uh, on that schedule coming up. A lot of teams that they quote should beat of the uh, Nashville Detroit's and Columbus's of the world. And they have also games against Dallas so that, you know, Dallas and Columbus are probably the closest competitors for a playoff spot. And the Blackhawks can pull away in the standings by beating those two teams consistently. So all of this is to say this in my eyes probably should be a playoff team at this point. Right. We have to look at what, what happened in the month of March so far, which is just games against Florida and Tampa Bay. And none of the three teams that we've mentioned, Detroit, Columbus, not Detroit, Dallas, Columbus, and Chicago are going to beat the Tampa Bay and Florida. So right. these were like, 
again, my conservative estimate going into this stretch was four four wins. We're pretty close to four wins. Well, they've got three, right? Yeah. They're, yeah. yeah. Mm, not bad. Good call, Shepard. Yeah. So, like, this was not – I don't think anybody was optimistic going into the stretch. But, like, <clears throat> the, the stretch of into April, that's when they need to actually start playing again and yeah, maybe build I, that lead again. Yeah, you're right. And And to build off of what Betsy said, that, like, if you – this and this might be something that appears on the website on Friday because I had this thought kicking around in my head and Betsy's words kind of of helping put them into shapes that might be actual sentences. But uh, if you go into April and they start winning some possession games and like winning four to two, three to one, like pretty thorough wins of teams that are wor- worse than them, like Detroit and Nashville. That's going to be a better sign than anything that's happened in the first three months of the season, because not not only you're getting results, but then there would be signs that the process was getting better. And I think we talked a lot for the first two months about they're getting the results, but this process is not good and this process is not sustainable. If that changes in April, maybe aided by the return of Kirby Doc, then I then I think the the thing I said about them being a uh, should be a playoff team, I think that really starts to take hold because then they're kind of at the level of a team that should be making the playoffs. Can I, can I, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that I'm not really like, even if they get into the playoffs, they're not in the caliber of the lightning, the Panthers or Carolina, For sure. Um, but I don't need them to be, you know, mm-hmm. like because getting into the playoffs is, is just already a marker. So it's fine if they then get washed out in the playoffs, as long as they learn something, it's just, Right. They could be a playoff team right now. They are technically, but they could be at the end of the thing, but it's really more about how did they get there than right. if they get there. Okay. That's fair. Mill, go ahead. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, this is interesting because we're talking about this division because that's all they see during this year. But the thing is, if they make the playoffs this year, like, like Betsy said, they're not really in the same echelon of the top tier of the division, but I don't think they're necessarily should be grouped in with the bottom, like the Preds and Columbus and Detroit are bad. (laughs) However, going into next season, when we can really start making some much larger assessments, I think you're not going to have the shelter of playing those teams so many times. Like, yeah, you're going to have, you know, a couple of them in the division, but look at, Colorado or in Arizona or St. Louis or Minnesota, like it's going to be a whole nother ball game. So judging it on just this year on this division, I guess you could say either way, you'll be disappointed or you'll be, you know, not disappointed, but it's such a specific like vacuum of a year. Yeah. It's very hard to judge across the league because of the thing you mentioned, like it's such a insular thing with you're only playing the teams in your division. Like I watched a good chunk of Colorado and Arizona last night and I just, the speed at which Colorado plays looks like it would be nightmares for the Hawks. And even like even Arizona was, had a pretty good pace to their game too. Granted it was in the third period when they were chasing on the scoreboard and, and ultimately tied and won the game in the shootout. But, um, yeah, I guess there's worse there's worse situations for them to be in in terms of if you're in the middle of your division like going back to Shepard's point like they're definitely above the expectations that we were having for them at the start of the season but uh I don't think we're going to have any idea where they fit in the realm of the NHL until next season at all because we don't see anybody else. I mean, I'm I'm sure they're better than Buffalo. That's just the universe toying with them. <laughs> 
The Seattle, the uh, Seattle Kraken are better than the Buffalo than the Buffalo Sabers, though. <laughs> yeah, poor poor Saber fans. I guess uh, Patrick Kane won't be getting traded back to his hometown team anytime soon, huh? No, would he even? I don't even think he would have wanted to before this, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and now just look at him. Yeah. Yeah. So as we mentioned at the top, the uh, the Hawks did win three to two last night. Had, I I was very much encouraged by the way the Hawks played. Now, granted, yes, uh, Florida did not have their number one center. You can also counter with the Hawks haven't had their number one and number two center all season. But at some point, the excuses just injuries aren't an excuse. It's things you just have to overcome. So I, I don't know where what that all adds up to. But I just I was trying to stay on the positive side of things and say I really like the way the Hawks played on Tuesday night. Did any of you three, did you guys have any other major takeaways from things you saw against the Panthers? The power play keeps rolling, and that's a really good sign. Yes. Yeah, it, like the second unit was really good again. Yeah. It's an I interesting got- distinction between the two power play units, too, because one is, like, all about creativity, and the other one is all about, like, efficiency of passing. I think that's, like, a really cool dichotomy. Like, I almost want them to mix it up to see if, like, it could be even better on both of them, but I digress. <laughs> I think uh, something that I was looking at is just the uh, the amount of second chance opportunities they gave up via like rebound control not being relevant at all ever. Um, I think there were six individual Panthers who had a high danger chance uh, because of a rebound. Or no, four of them were high danger because of a rebound, then two other because of a rebound, and that's kind of that playing with fire when you're playing on the rush so much, which mm-hmm. it's like the Hawks are good offensively on the rush, but it's just, it, it can backfire on you. So Lincoln did bail himself out a lot. He had a lot of saves last night, but it's just that, that was the only thing that was kind of ticky tacky for me. Yeah. And that that's, I feel like that is something that can improve with age. Like the, you know, there's, there's some things that goalies can work on and some things you just inherently have. I feel like, Rebound control is something that can be improved upon. That's not necessarily a death sentence that uh, it's always going to be hanging over his head throughout the course of his career that he can't, doesn't know what to do with rebounds. I feel like that's something that the better you get at anticipating shots coming at you, then you are better at controlling where they go after they hit you. But that's also entirely an armchair perspective from someone who never played goalie at any level because it seems terrifying. Um, I was going to note too. Uh, so we give JC a lot of crap as a coach, um, <laughs> as a collective group and it's oh, not yeah. warranted, <laughs> but one thing that I've been asking, cause there's people in the comments that are like, Oh, he makes good adjustments. And I'm like, what adjustments are you talking about? Give me examples. And I finally have a game where I think he made very good adjustments from the last time they played the Panthers. And it was in transition. Um, they carried in the puck a lot more. They fetched the puck really well. Um, they did a good job of matching up against lines. And again, JC's not really a line matcher. So this, I don't know if this was like accidental or what, but it worked out that he was putting the the right people against the right Panthers because uh, Hagel's very good at fetching the puck. Like that's his, one of the best things he's good at. He can get puck recovery. He's like the best on the team. He's way above average for the league. And the amount of times he fetched and the amount of times that he pushed in were way higher than maybe any other game. It might've been his best transition game, which is 
pretty cool considering he's already really good at transition. But Kane and Kane and Debrinkit were completely sti- like stifled the last time they played the Panthers. They couldn't enter very well, and they did much, 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 much better. Um, the only line that I thought that had an issue was the Soderberg line. That's the only line that I thought wasn't getting in very well. Yeah, they got buried. Um, but to your point, I think that that shows that when you can strategize against these teams like Florida, the talent discrepancy really isn't a thing. Yeah, no, it's a especially, execution. Especially without Barkov, it's like I thought that they were pretty even. Yeah, if you take Barkov out of that lineup, it's it's and you still have Patrick Kane on the Hawks roster, like that's pretty pretty equal in terms of overall talent, I would say. Um, yeah, Ekblad, Huberto, or like their other stars, but they're not you know carrying the team. Right. Yeah, and I think I think the interesting thing to watch will be in Thursday's game if all these adjustments that we're talking about from Tuesday if they still hold because, you know, Quinville being the veteran coach that he is, will probably try have some sort of counter to whatever it is the Hawks did on Tuesday. He also now has two days to plan for the absence of his number one center when Tuesday night he had about 20 minutes to do so because he got Barkov got hurt in the pregame skate. So again, it's this is the nature of being a coach in hockey is that it is an endless battle of it's an endless chess game. It's they adjust, you adjust, they adjust, you adjust. So if the Hawks got the better of the Panthers on Tuesday because of their adjustments, Quinville's probably going to do something Thursday night. So then the Hawks have to do something to counter that. So I guess we'll see what happens. And also to your point about the transition thing, Betsy, apparently at practice on Monday, Ben Pope from the uh, Chicago sometimes wrote about this, that all they worked on in practice was transition. That was like their entire practice focus. So apparently it worked. There you go. Yeah. That's, in earlier things, they've totally focused on things that I didn't think showed up in the game. Like they would do like a one-on-one battles or like things they got like creamed at the game, you know, a game before. This is the first time they practiced on something and you saw it immediately in the next game. And it was like a striking difference. Yeah. And they've seen Florida four times before that now. So it's like, it's kind of gave them something to to look at on the tape. Yep. All right, but and then looking ahead, so we, we mentioned they played Florida on Thursday. They got two against Nashville and then Carolina next Tuesday. All at the United Center. They're, it feels like they've been on the road for almost two-thirds of the season, and now they get a lot of home cooking over the next month. Is there anything in particular that you guys are watching for outside of the things we've already discussed? Uh, anything on your mind about what uh, keys to watch or just things you're going to have an eye out for over the next three to four games? Goaltending, whether they well, that, that. <laughs> that can make a rebound, yeah, because that the Lankinen's game against Florida is one is one of his first game good games in a little while, because uh, right. he's been regressing to league average. Uh, so goaltending, um, I think I would not be shocked to see Kirby Doc at the end of that three or four games. I th- I'm like not ruling out Kirby Doc tomorrow night. Honestly, I don't know if you guys saw today. Uh, Carlton was asked about uh, Doc's progress and he had this goofy smile on his face. He said, yeah, he looked pretty good, didn't he? But didn't say anything about a timeline. And because they kind of did a similar thing with Dylan Strom where it was Tuesday or Wednesday before they went out to Tampa when Carlton said, yeah, we hope he plays in the series. And then he was in the lineup for the first game. So I'm not saying to count on it. I'm just saying it, at this point, it wouldn't surprise me if Kirby Doc's on the ice tomorrow night. 
It seems like yeah. he's that far ahead of schedule. But yeah, I think I think by Easter, which if uh, my calendar is correct, is April fourth, about a week and a half away. I think he's in the lineup before Easter. Yeah, I thought it was if he could get in the last like fifteen games, that would be great. But if he gets in way more than that, that's yeah, that's just amazing. You know what? It must be nice. To, was he nineteen or twenty? He's. 19 still, right? Yeah, those 19-year-old bones heal a lot faster than they do at, say, 29 or maybe 33. No, he he turned 20 in January. Okay, well, 20-year-old bones still heal better. So that's, uh, yeah, that that is one of the benefits of youth for sure. Um, I'd like to see over the next stretch Kubalik get a little bit more ice time still. Yes. Uh, I know I keep harping on that. Like, he's playing really well, and he's not even – I mean – don't get me wrong. Like I get that they have guys that are going to be getting more than him, but still it's like, okay. you know, a couple minutes. It should be. Yeah, it seems, it seems like at this point, we're just waiting for Jonathan Taves so that that duo is reunited. Yeah. It's like Kane and Debrick are probably going to have your most ice time among your forwards. And then like, after that, it should probably be Kubelik. Like, unless it's, you know, I mean, unless it's a special teams heavy game, but like, if you go to the game last night, Top two forwards, Kane and Debrinket. Kane at 24, Debrinket's at 2141. Then you got to go down a little bit. David Kampf, 1637. Suters at 1614. Matthias Janmarks at 1544. Dominic Kubelik's at 1434. That's just Janmarks trade value up, though. That's true. We're going to. If, we if they don't trade Janmark this season, I'm going to be so upset. Yeah, we're, we're going to do the trade deadline episode pretty soon here. And uh, it feels like Janmark is candidate number one because he's going to get the most return and i feel like he's he, he seems like he's a like subpar second liner but an above average third liner relative to the league and those are the kinds of guys that you if you they hang around on your roster too long you end up paying them six million for three years and then suddenly they regress and then you're screwed yeah and he specifically came to this team to drive up his contract value like he's made no like he's no secret of that he was like i want to make money so i came here hoping probably to play with patrick kane to drive up that get some points make some money and the hawks don't need to throw money at that kind of play and you know and i hope Yanmark makes all of the money but i, I do too i doesn't happen in chicago <laughs> i've been way surprised by him but i don't really want him long term so somebody give him money somewhere else i mean like the 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 line i always said is going it goes back I mean, it might be like 10 years ago at this point, but Paul Gostad was a fourth line center for the Nashville Predators and got a first round pick in a trade. So, I mean, the trade values, the trade market's going to be wildly different given all the circumstances this year. But I always go back to that. Like, if Paul Gostad got a first round pick, Matthias Janmark should, I mean, even if the market's much lower, he should, should be able to get what, like a second, maybe a third, something like that. I hope. Yeah. Some, I mean, a late, round, a late round first isn't really that different from a second or a third. Yeah. And, and the, the Gostad trade, to be fair, he was traded to Nashville by Buffalo with a fourth round pick that became UC Soros for a first round pick. So if you package John Mark in like a third or a fourth and you can get a first, yeah, I'm taking that all day. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think those are all the Blackhawk things we want to talk about. We're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to come back on the other side of this timeout and we're going to have a food take that is going to be outside of the uh, food regions that 
we've talked about a lot on this episode. So uh, come on back because it, it could get interesting because I feel like three of us are very ill-equipped to talk about what we're going to talk about. So come on back on the other side of this break. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay snack It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay snack bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome back to Musings on Madison. And as promised before the break, it is food take time. And you've heard from me and Mill and Shepard far too many times already on this podcast. So we're going to bring Betsy in who uh, has lived much outside of the Chicago area, much more than most of us have. So uh, Betsy, the floor is yours. Um, Okay, so my food take is that, and people look down on Southern food a little bit sometimes in other areas. I'm not going to name where. Um, Chicago. (laughs) where, One food that I think needs to be expanded across the country, cigarettes. People, like, they rat on it a little bit because it's like, mushed corn like i've heard that before they're like it's just mushed corn no grits are delicious they go with everything um you can put all kinds of different things in it um one of the best dishes that's if you want to use it that's not like quite so breakfasty is shrimp and grits mm-hmm. um so and there's a cool debate there's a big debate going on we were talking about like what do you put in your grits is it just salt or can you put sugar in it i'm not super into sugary grits myself because i think that makes it a little too much like oatmeal to each their own but grits everybody should try them i think that's something that everybody needs to be don't be like the guy in my my cousin Vinny. okay <laughs> <laughs> what is a grit <laughs> um i as we were talking about this before the show i have zero experience because i've been like the farthest south i've ever lived is about indianapolis so uh and, and grits didn't make it that far north. Like Waffle House just barely got into that area. So uh, I, I have nothing to add to this conversation, really. Although I am intrigued about trying grits now because I've heard about them forever. But Shepard, I know you spent time in Texas and you've been around the South before. So please, uh, please carry on with this conversation because I, I'm. Yeah. Intrigued. So it's like a it's. Like but uh, like LBR has said, it's it's a little bit like a coarser sort of more savory. I I like it as a more savory oatmeal sort of thing, but it's like coarser. As as LBR said, shrimp and grits fantastic. Um, I think every part of that dish works. Um, I haven't had the chance to try grits outside of shrimp and grits because that's like what I had as a kid. Um, I've tried a lot of things. I w- I've been in France and tried escargot, so I I am an adventurous eater, but like, yeah, grits are fantastic. I don't 
Uh, I think I'm on the same side with LBR in terms of sugary oats grits because that doesn't that just sounds like a coarser version of oatmeal. And, and if I'm having oatmeal, I'll just have oatmeal. Yeah, it's. I'll say uh, so. The classic grit is literally just salt and butter. Yeah. Um, sometimes they'll instead of making it in water, you can make it in milk or like a heavy cream or something like that. But really, it's just water, butter and salt. And that's it. And, um, if you get it at say a waffle house, that's the way that they're going to make it unless you ask it to be done a different way. And I'll say one of the best things to eat with grits, if you're doing it, the breakfast style is just, you can almost use bacon to scoop it like a spoon. Cause those two together are just, it's just like a delicious combination. So I love grits. I make grits pretty regularly and not instant grits. Cause while I don't, I'm not like, again, my cousin Vinny, I think anybody can make instant grits. That's totally fine. But making regular grits doesn't take that much longer. Instead of it being like three minutes, it takes 20. But I'm now, I'm now retroactively upset with myself because I was in North Carolina late last fall and didn't seek out grits at any point. And I feel mm-hmm. like I missed an opportunity. Yeah, that would be a place to do it. Yeah. Do, does anybody know of any Chicago area place where you can get quality grits? That's the real question here. I I assume there's got to be someplace in Chicago, but I'm not familiar with it. I mean, I'm sure a southern, like not a, not a southern, but a breakfast place might have it. Like just in general, have you? But people might not be looking at the recipe that way. My, and, and my other concern is that if I, I go to the wrong place and like, oh yeah, we'll make grits for you, and it's low quality, and then it ruins them forever for me. I, there's there's a high floor, I think, on grits. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've actually ever had bad grits. And that includes ones that have sugar in them because I definitely have had some that have had sugar and cinnamon. Um, and they were fine. I just, that's not how I, if I'm, like I said, if I'm going to do that, I might as well just have oatmeal. Exactly. Uh, so there's also, it's interesting because there's different varieties of grits. So you could get anything from yellow to white and there's also blue grits because there's blue corn. Um, are there orange grits and are they called gritty? <laughs> no, not that I know, but I guess you could add like food coloring. And be I, just, like, I was waiting to see how I could sneak gritty into this conversation and the perfect landing. Yeah, that was going to be my take was <laughs> I, I think if we advertise that we talked about grits, there's going to be a whole bunch of disappointed people when they figure out it was a food take. <laughs> I'll also, <laughs> also tell you something that people should try grits with is um, make grit pancakes. Those are also good because you just make them into a little thing and fry them also very very good so yeah those are those would basically just be like cornbread pancakes then right exactly um and but you can have you can still put syrup on them if you want but you could also still just have them the same way you have normal grits but it tastes like oh somewhere between like a hash brown and a pancake to me so yeah i mean hash browns and pancakes are both pretty good so i feel like something halfway between them would also be very good so Dave, we got research to do for. Uh, yeah, yeah, we place. do. I, I don't know. I mean, Mill and I are both in the same general area, and I, I don't think either one of us knows of a place around here. Like, I feel like there's not a lot of transplants from the southern United States in this area. Who would um, want to come up here? It's just snowy and rainy. <laughs> uh, fewer tornadoes, I guess. I don't. That's my only thought. Is <laughs> because I know sometimes. I yeah, they just had. I, gonna, I can name like five places in Atlanta that have excellent grits and they're all probably within like five miles of each other. Oh, I guess we're all going to Atlanta this summer. I was like, it's <laughs> so strange. It's like, you guys don't have anywhere up there, but I'm like, I can name 
and I don't even, some of them aren't, South City Kitchen isn't even a uh, breakfast place, but they have shrimp and grits and they have a grit, grit, uh, regular breakfast grits. Um, and they have a dip in grits too, I want to say, where you can dip um, things like bacon and other things into it and scoop. I want the blue grits. I want to try those. They actually look more lavender when you cook them, but you know, it's still pretty yeah, cool. It's like, like the same color as like the corn, the blue corn tortilla chips, probably. Yeah. I'm here for that. Yeah. I just Googled where to find grits in Chicago, and the top response was Luella's Southern Kitchen, way up on the north. Oh. Roughly, yeah. looks like right by Lincoln Square. Are you, Miller, are you familiar with this place? I think that it's like there's a place like in Indy like that, I think. If I'm thinking of the same thing. No, maybe I'm thinking Joella's. Never mind. <laughs> I was about to Sorry. say, if it's a chain and they have one in Indy, then I'm like, all right, maybe this isn't the place I'm looking for. No, no, no. You're probably, you're, I just, I'm an idiot. That's the only explanation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to say. I don't have enough grit, you guys. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad it took us that long for someone to make that joke, though. So that, that's good. Um, no, Rich right. Johnson. So so grit, grits it is. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be searching these out pretty soon now. I feel I I am intrigued. Yeah, find yourself a good southern restaurant up north because they exist. <laughs> okay. Yeah, see if uh if I'm in the Lincoln Square vicinity, I have to I have to make a trip up there sometime. All right. Uh I, I don't have any other thoughts to add. Mill, Betsy, Shepard, anybody anything else to uh, wrap up this year episode? Yeah, as Mill said, play Dominique Bolique more. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Co-signed. And um, I, I guess, we, we, and then uh, fingers crossed that we get Kirby Doc back real soon because that'd be fun to watch too. Yes, sir. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like, like I was ready to go full doom and gloom on this episode, but after Tuesday night's game and the Kirby Doc news, I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm feeling, feeling a little better about this. Team. I, got one, I got one final thing. Go ahead. I, le- I lettered Hawks jerseys for many years and before Doc was on the team and people would get customs with 77 and it's a huge pain in the ass to fit 77 on the back of a jersey. So I'm so glad I don't have to letter Doc jerseys. Because <laughs> sevens very, are huge. That's a very specific grievance to be aired, but I, but I appreciate <laughs> it. Well, I was just thinking about it now that you guys brought it up. So thank you. You're welcome. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Amusing on Madison. Uh, Shepard is on Twitter at Shepard Price. Mill is at Mill182. I almost said at Mill Savage. That's not your Twitter handle. Uh, Betsy, do you have a Twitter handle you want to share? Or, or? No. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Twitter can be overrated this time anyway. You can no, follow the main account at 2ND City Hockey. Uh, visit secondcityhockey.com. That's where all our content will be. And you can also email us, secondcityhockey at gmail.com. Spell all that out. And then find us wherever it is you get your podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, follow, unfollow, refollow, resubscribe. Do all those things. And a five-star review would be wonderful if we can get those two. Um, but thank you for listening. Thanks to Mill. Thanks to Shepard. Thanks to Betsy for coming on and hanging out tonight. And as always, go Hawks. Go Hawks.